right, all right. It's the Foghorn. You know what that means. It is time for the Cavish Ships podcast, where we try and cut through the fog and the murk and shine a bit of light on naval and maritime issues of the day. I'm Chris Cavus. And I'm Chris Cervello. Coming up, it was a big week for the U.S. Navy and Fink and Terry Marinette Marine Shipbuilding as the first steel was cut for the first ship of the new Constellation class frigates. We'll talk with Mark Vandroff, CEO of Fink and Terry Marinette Marine, about the new ships and how this shipyard is adapting to build the first new class of warships in 20 years. But first, a look at naval news from around the world. The British Royal Navy is scrambling to deal with the fallout and embarrassment after HMS Prince of Wales, the second of, the, of Britain's new aircraft carriers, suffered a serious mechanical failure less than an hour after clearing Portsmouth Harbor on August 27th to begin a multi-month mission to the United States. After several days anchored in sheltered waters, the problem was traced to couplings on the ship's starboard propeller shaft, a situation the first Sea Lord described as unprecedented. The ship's deployment to the United States has been canceled, and sister ship HMS Queen Elizabeth is making hasty preparations to carry out much of the planned testing schedule, although it will be an abbreviated version, as specialized equipment carried by Prince of Wales for F-35 Bravo Joint Strike Fighter operations is not on board Queen Liz. Repairs to Prince of Wales will require the ship to be dry docked, probably at the VA Systems Facility in Rosyth. The carrier is expected to be out of action for quite some time. On a happier note for the Royal Navy, the attack submarine HMS Anson was commissioned August 31st at BAE Systems Shipyard in Barrow-on-Furness. Anson is the fifth astute class submarine. Her completion was seriously delayed by complications with the fourth ship, Audacious, and by the pandemic. Two more astutes are under construction, Agmemnon and Agincourt, along with the U.S. Virginia class, the Astutes are one of the two nuclear-powered submarine designs being considered for the Australian Navy. The U.S. cruisers Antietam and Chancellorsville made a transit of the Taiwan Strait August 28th as tensions in the, in the Western Pacific region continued at a high level. The U.S. Navy has been making roughly once-a-month passages of the Strait since 2018, but this was the first time two cruisers together made the transit. Very unusually, the U.S. released several images showing the U.S. cruisers accompanied by a Taiwanese frigate and a missile corvette, all shadowed by at least two Chinese People's Liberation Army Navy destroyers. China, as usual, as usual protested the move, but in a rather subdued fashion compared to previous protests. The U.S. Navy hospital ship Mercy called on Haniara Guadalcanal on August 29th and was welcomed by Solomon's Island Prime Minister Manasseh Sogavare, who explained that the requested visits of the U.S. Coast Guard cutter Oliver Henry and British patrol ship HMS Spey were not turned down, as was widely reported, but that the administration issues delayed approvals. Sagavare asked that foreign nations put on hold naval visits until a new administrative process is put in place. The issue has garnered widespread attention as the Solomons in May signed a security agreement with China that many view could be influencing naval and military visits to the islands. In the Persian Gulf, the U.S. Navy foiled an attempt by an Iranian Revolutionary Guards ship to seize an unmanned American surface vessel. Late on August 29th, the Iranian ship Shahid Baziar was observed towing a sail drone explorer USV of a type being operated by the U.S. Navy's Task Force 59. 
The nearby patrol ship USS Thunderbolt quickly was on the scene, as was a U.S. Navy MH-60 Sierra helicopter from Helicopter Sea Combat Squadron 26. And after about four hours, the Iranians cut loose the sail drone as the U.S. units closed in. The newly deployed aircraft carrier USS George H.W. Bush joined with USS Harry S. Truman August 28th to mark the first time in many years that two U.S. aircraft carriers have operated together in the Mediterranean Sea. Bush is relieving the Truman, who since deploying in early December, spent all of her time in the Mediterranean in response to Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And in old ship news, the venerable battleship Texas, launched in 1912, was moved under tow on August 31st from her longtime berth near the San Jacinto Monument near Houston to Galveston, where the ship immediately entered a dry dock at Gulf Copper and Manufacturing. The Texas is beginning a $35 million repair and restoration period expected to last about two years. No announcement has yet been made on where the Texas will be berthed when the refit is completed. And that's a look at just some of this week's Naval News. All right. Well, we are lucky today. We are very lucky today to have with us Mark Vandroff. He's the Chief Executive Officer of Finn County Area Marinet Marine at Finn County Area Marinet Group up in uh, the beautiful Midwest. He's quite familiar with building ships for the Navy and with innovation. His last posting was Commanding Officer of Naval Surface Warfare Center Cataract Division. Before that, he was the DDG-51 Program Manager for Naval Sea Systems Command, overseeing construction of Arleigh Burke-class destroyers, including the transition to the new Flight 3 variant. In the fleet, he was also a member, as a young officer, of the commissioning crew of the Arleigh Burke herself. Welcome to the podcast, Mark. Thanks, Chris. Uh, and just for to make sure the title, because you went through that, uh, a little quick, so right. So I'm 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 the CEO of Fincantieri Marinette Marine. Uh, right. Fincantieri Marinette, Fincantieri Marine Group is our parent company. Right. Uh, that's Fincantieri's arm in the U.S. Uh, my boss, the CEO of at the at the group level, is uh, Marco Galbiati. and in fact, he's he just took over last month as uh, as our new CEO, uh, and I'm uh, uh, delighted and uh, and lucky to have have him as as my boss now. You are, and and by the way, they eat a whole lot better than most of us do, at least in here in Bethesda, Maryland. You know, there's um, there's there's advantages to working for an Italian company, right? To, for an Italian pub, you know, the the wine and the and, and the food has a certain certain something to it. It, that, it, uh, it, 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 it does. So um, I know your time is valuable. So you have had a busy week up at Marinette. What's been going on at Marinette Marine this week? So uh, every week at Marinette Marine is a busy week. Uh, we're building uh, ships, and now we're up to our uh, third uh, different uh, product line that we have in uh, in there in Marinette. Uh, most, I, I mean, the 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 signature uh, part of the week, but I can talk about all that's going on with the different programs. But the signature event was start of construction of uh, FFG sixty two, the uh, the constellation. Uh, first uh, first ship of the class, uh, we had uh, uh, our uh, primary customer, uh, Rear Admiral Casey Moten, uh, was there to uh, for the uh, ceremonial first spark uh, that was on our new uh, automated panel line. Uh, and uh, we welded a, uh, a part of a uh, an I-beam, uh, excuse me, a, a T, a welded T, onto a, a panel, onto a, a plate to, to create the first part of a panel for the first part of what will be the engine room module, the lower part of the engine room module, ultimately for the ship. So this is a big deal. I mean, the, you're, this is the first ship of the vaunted new American frigate program. It's been coming yes. for years. 
years since it's been announced, years since it was a competition, years since the decision was made and you were awarded the contract. And now it's uh, you're finally actually building a ship. Yep. But you've had, you, you've had to do a lot to get ready to this. As you just said, uh, you said other product lines. Uh, your shipyard is building three different kinds of ships at the same time right now. Yes. Concentrated area. Um, uh, almost done with LCS. Uh, so, right. I mean, just to kind of take a, a view of the, of the waterfront right now, um, uh, 23, uh, we have delivered it to Lockheed Martin. Uh, Lockheed Martin has completed the gear work on that. Uh, and the Navy takes delivery of that ship uh, right after Labor Day. So 23 is in the yard, but she'll have her Navy crew aboard it. Uh, that's uh, Cooperstown, uh, and we'll be sailing away here soon. Uh, LCS 25, the Marinette, near and dear to all of our hearts because it's uh, named for the uh, for the city of Marinette. Uh, she is uh, um, up in Escanaba, Michigan. Uh, we transferred uh, custody of the ship over to Lockheed Martin. Uh, she had a very, very successful uh, uh, builder's trials in the spring. Uh, it was the lowest number of trial cards yet for us in the LCS program. Uh, and uh, she's having the gear modifications done. Uh, she'll come back in October. We'll show her to the board of, of inspection and survey, uh, get through acceptance trial, uh, get the crew aboard, and then uh, she'll leave after ice once the ice melts next spring. Uh, LCS 27 uh, should go to builder's trials here in just a few weeks. Uh, that was I was on board her uh, right before. That was one of the things I did this week was uh, was was uh, walk with my folks there uh, and uh, see how we're coming along with all the engine testing and all the systems testing uh, to get her ready for builders trials. After those builders trials over ice, she'll spend the ice period in Escanaba. Mark, Lockheed Martin will do the uh, the gear modification on uh, on uh, 27, and then she'll come back and have acceptance trial in the spring. Uh, 29 is now in the water. Uh, she's proceeding with her in-water testing. We anticipate her being ready for builder's trials again once the ice melts in the spring, and then she'll get her gear modification next year and then go to acceptance trial. Uh, LCS 31 uh, was the, uh, the LCS that was actually built with the new gears. So we won't have to take her and do a post-build gear uh, repair uh, on uh, LCS 31. She has the, 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 the updated set of gears. Uh, she's in building 10 right now and getting ready to launch and we should have her in the water by the end of the year. So really that means all of my ship building for LCS is really done by the end of this year. Once the ship's in the water, you're doing tests, you're doing activation, you're doing compartment closeout. The actual building of the ship is done. Uh, we've got uh, four of the Saudi MMSCs in various stages of construction, uh, very, very, very early in three and four, just uh, just uh, the first few uh, pieces of those ships. Um, but uh, when Admiral Moten was uh, was in town for the uh, the start of construction of the frigate, uh, uh, he also took some time, and I walked him through uh, Saudi the first Saudi ship which was being erected in uh, Building Ten, so it's in the erection bay. Uh, it's got. Now, more than half a dozen of the modules are actually erected along the keel line, and it's coming together. And uh, again, we should have that in the water next year. Uh, once we get uh, LCS 31 in the water next to it in the second bay of the LCX or LCS erection building, we'll start putting together, we'll start erecting MMSC 2, and then 3 and 4 will follow uh, behind that. Um, and then as of uh, yesterday, we now have FFG 62 uh, under construction after uh, she's 
a little over 80% done with the design. Functional design is now nearly all done. Uh, detailed design is uh, is well over two thirds done of the of the modeling. So we have an overall design readiness of just over eighty um, uh, percent. You know, between COVID uh, and a few things that we learned along the way, uh, we certainly would have liked to have done the uh, uh, the design. Uh, you know, it took us two years, uh, and it was that was how long it took us to get it uh, to the point where we were going to be able to build with confidence. Uh, one of the lessons learned of, of a lot of ship programs uh, over the last couple of decades is don't start building a ship until you're ready to. Um, we learned some things on the way, uh, some good, couple of, uh, uh, a couple of surprises along the way that I'm happy to talk about that actually uh, that caused us to take more time than we wanted to. Um, but we, we started building when we were ready to build, and I'm very confident that we've got a, a plan now in place and a design in place that will let us get this ship built uh, efficiently and get into the hands of our Navy customer. Mark, let's uh, let's dig on that just a little bit. I mean, this is very much, uh, I, I guess I'd say, an Italian-American uh, frigate, right? I mean, Italian heritage, uh, very much uh, American additions to the design. Can you talk about some of the changes between the Italian friend design and what you will actually build, recognizing that still some of that work is being done um, sure. as you, so as let you me, just mentioned. So I'll talk about two different types of differences. Um, and, and my Navy customer doesn't like me to use the word changes because there aren't that many changes, thankfully, to the set of requirements that the Navy gave us in the contract. Um, I mean, you know, that's been, you know, those, the number of, since the award of the contract, the number of times the Navy has said, I have something new I want you to do. I could count on certainly two hands and maybe one hand. So that's, you know, it's not the Navy's exercising good change discipline, but the requirements the Navy gave were not for a FREM. The FREM is the parent design on which we designed a ship to meet the Navy's stated requirements. Uh, and let me unpack that a little. In some cases, those are requirements difference. So the Italian FREM uh, doesn't have a VLS launcher. The ship will be built with a 32-cell VLS launcher. So, you know, that's that's uh, an example. The Italian FREM uh, uses a, a, a European uh, 3D search radar. We're incorporating uh, Raytheon's Spy 6. It's, uh, it's basically a smaller version of the same radar that's going on the DDG Flight 3. So, you know, we're incorporating the American systems that the Navy stated they wanted on the ship as part of the design of the, uh, of the FREM or of the, of the constellation going from FREM to constellation. Uh, the other thing that we had was American design standards, uh, which caused us to have to do some interesting things. And, and that was, you know, I'll just, you know, kind of tell the story of this is what happens when you start designing a ship. Uh, the U S Navy, unsurprisingly, has a set of standards for sea keeping and hull stress that are worldwide. So, I mean, if you're a regional Navy, you don't necessarily have to say, well, I need a ship that can deploy and deploy to the Persian Gulf in the summertime, but it also needs to deploy north of Norway in the wintertime if I have to put it there as well. But if you're the United States Navy, your, ship needs, your ships need to be op able to operate over that broad range of environmental conditions. Uh, and when we uh, when we took the hull and got it to Carterock in the, the wave tank, the model of the hull, in some weather conditions, there was 
stresses and bends on the ship's hull that was in excess of what either the Navy uh, or frankly uh, uh, us uh, and in partnership, our partners, Gibson Cox, our design agent uh, and, and arguing that, uh, that in excess of what we were expecting to see. Uh, and that testing was always planned to do post-award. Uh, and we, we actually had done more than the Navy had expected before they gave us the award. But when we finished it after the award, we, we had to take a step back and make sure that the hull that we were building was going to meet that Navy standard. Um, and so the technical adjudication of what we needed to do to meet that Navy standard ended up being more time consuming than either I think the Navy or Fink Cantieri would have liked. But that's an example. Uh, there were others, but that's the kind of example of you know, people all ask me, you know, you had a ship design. Why did it take you two years? It's like we had a derivative design and we needed to do a lot of work. And then during that work, we found out things that we needed to come through of what would be in a technically acceptable uh, solution. And, you know, now we're at the point where we've we've slayed all those dragons and we've come through all of that uh, to get to solutions that are technically acceptable, uh, both for us and for our Navy customer. And now we're off to build the ship. That's great context because, uh, you, you know, we've heard the, the same type of feedback. So that's very helpful. Um, last question for me. Last time we had you on the podcast, you talked about the work being done in the shipyard. And you talked about, as part of that work, um, growing your workforce. Can you give our yep. listeners a quick update on uh, the CapEx as well as on the growth of the workforce? I can for both. So uh, I mentioned when I was talking about LCS and MMSC, the that you know LCS 31 is in the LCS erection base. So that's a building that I can put two LCSs, except for the mast, I can completely assemble an LCS inside the building because it's Wisconsin. And if you're going to build the ships during the winter in Wisconsin, you need to do it inside. Uh, so uh, we needed to have that capability for uh, the Constellation class frigate. That's a significantly bigger ship. So a uh, Constellation class frigate is 7,000 tons compared to a 3,500 ton LCS. Uh, so it's much bigger. Uh, we are now complete with building a two-bay uh, frigate erection bay uh, there in uh, in Marinette. We're actually just starting to uh, to use it. We're using it right now uh, for uh, for uh, to- the, the 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 covered space, not for the frigate, uh, but for some uh, additional work uh, that we're doing on the uh, the Saudi ships on the MMSC. Um, but uh, you know, we now have a a building where I can assemble two. Constellation class frigates inside. That's done. Uh, the second big capital investment is, uh, and I mentioned it, the automated panel line. So uh, a panel line is where you start building a ship. It's the it's the line where you take steel plate and you 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 know you weld state plate together to become panels. Uh, you weld on T's uh, to stiffen. You do the bending and shaping to get it to look like the the hull if you need to shape it, all that happens on a panel line. And then you take your panels and you weld them together into modules. And that becomes the pieces of the ship that you start to outfit and assemble and eventually erect to form the ship. Uh, so uh, we had a, uh, we now have a state of the art automated panel line where the vast majority of the welding uh, on that panel line is being done by robots. Uh, and in fact, uh, before we started work on the the, uh, the first panel of the frigate that we started on on Wednesday, uh, to prep for that, we make our own jigs. So we take you know, steel and pegs and steel pegs and, 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 and we create the platforms and the shapes that we will put the modules on in order to be able to work on them. 
Uh, and we ran through, I mean, we even surprised ourselves when we built those, uh, those jigs on the, on the panel line, uh, the welding that used to, would have taken a dozen welders and taken them weeks. You know, the robots went through in days and a couple of operators of the, of the panel line, uh, who were, who were running the controls. So, uh, a real step forward there, uh, in our ability to build quickly and efficiently. Uh, and I think we're just starting to scratch the surface on how much efficiency we're going to get out of that, uh, panel line. Uh, the third project that we're doing is a new blast and paint facility. We actually have a state-of-the-art blast and paint facility we've been using for LCS and MMSC, uh, but the blast bays, the blast and paint bays, aren't tall enough for the tallest of the frigate modules. So we're converting one of our other tall buildings on the waterfront. We've we've stripped out the inside, and currently we're uh, we're in there and we're converting it into a a high bay blast and paint for some of the tall taller uh, frigate modules. And then last and also big, big project going on right now is uh, a synchro lift. So LCSs, we put those in the water side launch and uh, that's spectacular and fun. And if you've ever seen a side launch, uh, you know, they're, it's, it's really great when the sponsor breaks that champagne uh, across the bow and then you see it move uh, on its side into the river. Uh, but that's not the way a modern shipyard uh, put ship, ships in the water, and it's not the way we're going to put a frigate in the water. Uh, so we are in the process of building a 10,000 ton uh, ship lift. Uh, all the dredging uh, and all the all the blasting, all the dredging has been done. Uh, we're currently uh, driving pilings. The, uh, the, the, the transfer platform is under construction and will be delivered to the yard later this year. And uh, shortly after ice melts, excuse me, uh, next year, We'll have a state-of-the-art uh, synchro or transfer ship, ship lift. Uh, that ship lift will be uh, the biggest ship lift in the Western Hemisphere once it's operational. Uh, there's a similar-sized one uh, for comparison in Adelaide, and the uh, the Australians use it for air warfare destroyer uh, to get it in and out of the water. And so this will be able to get the the ship. We'll launch it with a with a uh, with a synchro lift, and we'll. Uh, We'll, if we ever need to pick it back up, we'll be it's easy to pick it back up with the uh, the synchro lift. Um, the uh, the advantage of a synchro lift over a floating dry dock uh, is that you can launch more ship in less water. Because if you think about a floating dry dock, when you sink a floating dry dock, you not, not only need to sink it deep enough so that the ship floats off, but you then also have to have room underneath that for the tanks of the floating dry dock, which flood and dewater in order to get a, fl a floating dry dock to go up and down. So you need a pit that's quite deep. Um, we don't, we just don't have that much water in, uh, we don't have that kind of depth of water in the Menominee River. Uh, so the modern technology of a synchro lift offers us uh, the opportunity to put a ship the size of the Constellation class frigate uh, into the water and do it uh, very economically, very safely, uh, and do it without having to have the depth that a floating dry dock would require. So, and as far as workforce, excuse me, and then yeah, as far as uh, workforce goes, uh, the in yard blue collar workforce at the beginning of the year, we had 900 uh, blue collar uh, workers as of, uh, as of 900. Uh, this week, we're up to 1070. So, we've uh, increased the size of our workforce nearly 20%. Uh, and I will tell you next year, in order to keep up with the, with the demand of frigate, I need to grow 20% again. So uh, the, the help wanted sign is out. We're actively recruiting. 
Uh, we're doing that through a variety of channels, but we are hiring welders, especially welders uh, and uh, pipe fitters uh, and all the steel trades. Uh, if, uh, if you uh, or any of your listeners either are interested, have a relative that's interested, or you have skill, uh, if you're in the oil and gas industry or the ship repair industry, if living in Wisconsin sounds like a, uh, a, a good deal, check out our website because we are absolutely hiring. If you're tired of hurricanes, you're you're hiring. Yes. Uh, you're you're a ship lift up there. This ten thousand ton capacity, right? Is that that's what that means? Correct. Yeah, we're building it to the right. So I mean, it's a seven thousand ton frigate, uh, and and we won't launch at seven thousand tons. That's seven thousand tons when you're done. Uh, so you know, you you will launch at about ninety percent complete. Uh, so you know, there'll be a little bit of weight left to go on. Uh, but I mean, in the event that you know, there's a. a down the road and this is up to the navy but if the navy said you know stretch the hull again give me a, a larger vls launcher uh you know they want to do something to make the ship that would make the ship marginally uh larger and heavier we would still have the the capacity uh to uh to do a a, a future flight of something the size of the uh of the synchro frankly um marinette's limitation is more the saint lawrence seaway right there's a limit to how big a ship we can build uh, and there's the, the, before we get to the limit of what size ship the yard can build, we would hit the limit of what size ship can get through the St. Lawrence Seaway. Um, so unless, you know, and I, and I don't think there's any op plan that involves the invasion of Canada. So, you know, we, if we're going to build a warship, we need to, uh, uh, we need to have a warship that gets back out to the Atlantic so it can get where it's going. It's like the locks on the well under what, 80, 86 feet, something like that wide. Something like that. That's the limitation. I, mean, that, uh, I think it's less limitation than limitation beam. Well, the ship yeah, itself. Yeah, the limitation of those locks. But I think that I think the narrowest lock is closer <clears> to seventy feet, if I remember correctly. Um, for those who may not be familiar with it, I actually got to transit the um, the Welland Canal, which is a series of eight locks um, from Lake Erie to Lake Ontario, um, aboard an LCS, which mm. which had about um, I think four. Uh, it's been too long now maybe maybe 12 feet of clearance on either side right but the, the interesting thing is you come in these locks these are it's, it's stone walls and you come in and the well before you come in the pilot comes on board walks up to the to the master the captain whoever's in charge says hey good day so like which side eh and the guy goes well how about uh port we did we did starboard last time it was to port okay it's port it is so what that means is you enter the canal you actually, you don't try to stay off the wall. This is this is for a commercial ship. You don't try to stay off the wall. They actually come in the come into the lock, snug up to one side of the lock, and then screech, <laughs> drag themselves down the uh, side of the lock and uh, hug hug the uh, the stone. The thinking being, it's better to scrape your ship on one side in the lock then bang about inside and really, really damage your ship. So you see all these commercial ships up there have all these scrapes on one side. Well, you can't do that with an LCS or a frigate or a warship. It's too light. The hulls are, are have, have flare to them. Um, you, you just, you, you really don't want to bang your ship up against a stone wall. So you have to try and stay off it. You've got all these fendering um, systems that, uh, to try to stay off. It's really something to see. And um, it, I mean, it, it certainly can be done. It took, took two or three transits, I think on LCS to really perfect that, but um, 
it's a thing. Can it be before you go, uh, Mark? Um, can you talk a little bit about you have you're not just one facility up there, but you Marinette has has three yards. Um, I think Finn Cantieri, so to be precise, Finn Cantieri Marine Group. I'm sorry, our parent I, I, company I was, I, has I, I, three facilities in, in Wisconsin, so Marinette being one of them. Uh, the second all- one is over in, in Sturgeon Bay, uh, and that Bay Shipbuilding. Bay Shipbuilding um, has both a, uh, a large commercial operation, uh, and because they have a, a large uh, graving dock and a lot of pier space, uh, they do a lot of servicing of the Great Lakes haulers. And in fact, when the ice, uh, we have somewhere between a dozen to 18 big Great Lakes haulers will come to Bay uh, and get winter work done. Uh, but also Bay will build modules. Uh, they built modules for the LCS. Uh, they, they're building modules now for MMSC. They will be bought building modules of Frigate. They're going to build most of the bow section over in Bay. Uh, and uh, and Bay has gone, gone through their own capital improvement program to help them do that efficiently. And then they'll barge that across Green Bay up to Marinette and we'll assemble their modules onto our ships. Uh, that's worked well on LCS. We're doing it now on MMSC. Uh, we'll do that on Frigate. Uh, Ace Marine, which is the third uh, facility the Fig Cantieri Marine Group has in Wisconsin, uh, is uh, a aluminum fabrication shop in Green Bay. Uh, they've built uh, aluminum small boats for the Coast Guard. The Coast Guard uh, medium response boats uh, are an ACE product. Uh, they've done all the aluminum work for uh, LCS. They're doing the aluminum work now for MMSC, which has an aluminum superstructure. So the fabrication of the superstructure is done at ACE, and then that's barged up to, uh, to Marinette. Uh, for a frigate, the mast is aluminum, so we'll do the aluminum fabrication of the mast in Bay and barge that up. Um, and then they might have other aluminum work uh, coming down the pike. Uh, I certainly know that uh, FMG's business development groups uh, is uh, always uh, got an eye out for uh, who might need some aluminum work done down the road. So just to, to wrap it up. So with Frigate, you're under contract for three right now. I think three that you're uh, three under contract options, options for seven more. Right. So that's the uh, the the, uh, the constellation, the Congress and the Chesapeake. Chesapeake. Um, yes. What's your what's your what's your timeline for? For the um, constellation, constellation, constellation due to de- so so constellation due to deliver to the Navy uh, in uh, the fall of uh, 2026. So just a little over four years from now, about a four-year build cycle. Uh, I expect uh, that we'll have uh, we'll probably get to Keelay sometime uh, next summer in 2023, uh, and we'll be putting her in the water in 20 early 2025, probably right after the ice melts in 2025. Okay. Well, listen, that's all we've got time for today, but thank you very much for being with us, folks. Our guest has been Mark Vandroff, CEO of Finn Cantieri Marinette Marine. He is building your new United States frigate. And thanks for being with us, Mark. Thank you, Chris. Both Chris's. Now hear this. Now hear this. All right, it's time for Squawk Box. And Mr. Savello has some thoughts on what we were just talking about, the U.S. Navy's new frigate class. Chris? The Constellation class frigate has to be a success. Delays, overruns, and hiccups that have plagued new class construction have to be a thing of the past. This platform, the follow-on large surface combatant, and the planned family of uncrewed platforms could very well be the difference between war and peace, winning and losing in the South China Sea. 
The industry team led by Think and Terry needs to do everything it can to deliver the ship on cost and schedule. The Navy needs to commit to the design, limit changes, and quickly work to identify a second yard for production. If you believe that we are in an era of great power competition, then our shipbuilding and program management must be emblematic of a great power. This program is our chance to demonstrate our skill, professionalism, and technical acumen to the rest of the world. This is not just another shipbuilding program. It is a visible and tangible sign to friends and foes that we are serious about competing on the high seas. That competition begins with how we bring vessels to the fleet. Delays, overruns, and hiccups are not an option. All right. I think the operative phrase here from World is from World War II. We can do it. All right. Thanks, Chris. And folks, that does it for this week. As always, our thanks go out to Vaga Moradian and the Defense and Aerospace Group for their support. Be sure to follow us at Cavish Ships on Twitter. And remember, this podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, and Spotify. I'm Chris Cervello. And I'm Chris Cavis. Thanks for listening, and bye-bye. Thank <laughs> you.